Welcome friends to this podcast. Today we are going to talk on consuming fire. It is a topic that I feel insufficient to preach. And I myself I come with a lot of dread and fear when speaking about this topic. We'll start from Hebrews 12. That's our main text. Verse 25 to 29. see that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth much less will they escape if we reject him who warns from heaven at that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised yet once more I'll shake not only the earth but also the heavens this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to god acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our god is a consuming fire the context of hebrews 12 to this point lays a good contrast about the old covenant and the new covenant we are assured that the covenant of moses came with a lot of fear and trembling that when the covenant was being re- released on Mount Sinai people were shaking and they didn't even want to come close to God but we are assured that now we have come unto Mount Zion the city of the living God where there are innumerable amount of angels where there is a the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God who is the judge of all and to the spirit of righteous men made perfect and to Jesus who is the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel so this is the blood that is speaking the blood of the covenant that Jesus has made in God and we are being urged that let us not re- refuse the voice of him who speaks from heaven and how uh, how how do we refuse that voice except that we live a life that is not fully committed to the gospel and how do we accept that voice is when we live a life that is fully given unto the gospel is when we fully accept everything that Jesus died for us because he says that yet once more he is going to shake not only the earth but the heavens he is assuring us that what happened in that first covenant where it was only the earth that shook that even this time the heavens will shake and god is going to dismantle everything that is temporal to make sure that only what is permanent remains and what will remain is the kingdom that we lay hold on we lay hold upon the kingdom of god and so we are being urged to worship reverently and with awe because our god is a consuming fire so what exactly is a consuming fire from Deuteronomy 4 where it's first mentioned verse 24 we see that it speaks about the jealousy of God over the idolatry of Israel and that he won't share his glory 
five chapters later in Deuteronomy 9 verse 3, God speaks of the consuming fire in the context of destroying his enemies in the promised land. Therefore, God's wrath is misunderstood as he is in no need of appeasement. He doesn't need his ego to be appeased, you know, so that he can be less angry, you know, the way we view him as an as a God who, who is always a merciless accountant and is waiting just to punish us. So while God is exceedingly merciful and slow to anger, he hates sin and the powers of darkness, for they stand in the way of his purposes that he has planned for his children. So the consuming fire of God comes from his great love for us. And if we attempt to live a double life, let's remember that everything outside God is a living hell. He designed it so. He burns up everything else to destruction. He shakes up everything else until it's gone. And because of that, we are urged in Hebrews not to be on the wrong side of God. Know that our righteousness will serve us, but let us hold on to the kingdom of God. What's that? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when we say seeking the kingdom of God first and everything else will be added to us, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Is every other thing in your life an addition to your main purpose of worshipping God? Or is worship just an addition to your life? Worship has to go beyond being a luxury or a Sunday ritual to tick our boxes. Is God everything to you? We are urged in Hebrews to be mindful of the nature of God when no one is seeing or not. Because his kingdom is meant to be our habitation, the environment that surrounds us and shapes our decisions and life's ambitions. Seeking the kingdom first doesn't mean that we despise our careers and ministry, but are our hearts in constant fellowship with God as we do life? What are we pursuing the most in life? Are our professions a way to provide for our families or are they a source of identity? Is ministry a tool to serve God and the church or is it a means to make you feel important and valued? We need to keep our hearts in check as we go to the marketplace or even ministry or else the challenges there will consume us and dim our fire for God. We will form idols out of anything that steals our affections and desires. This was God giving a, an exhortation through Isaiah to Israel in Isaiah 1 verse 10 to 14. That hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitudes of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has inquired of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. 
So Isaiah warns a religious Israel that is being likened to Sodom and Gomorrah that it's not that we don't worship, but how we worship God that matters. God was tired and weary of a false and pretentious worship because Israel was worshiping God on a religious observation basis. They were seeking after idols while at the same time offering sacrifices to God. And so God in his mercy offers the Israelites the solution. The remaining verses now, verse 15 to 18. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you will make your prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Israel is being warned here that the same way we are being warned today of God. That if our worship brings us to the point of transformation, we will be doing our everyday life in reverence and fear of God. We know that he is a consuming fire and therefore we won't just sit and see corruption and social justice. We won't indulge in sin and mess around with unholy things because we know that he is a consuming fire. Does the worship of God change and transform us or does it just give us a feel-good experience? If the private worship of God doesn't reflect in the marketplace, then we are just doing religion. God has made a way for us to fellowship with him. Let us not choose the other way. He is a consuming fire. Will you accept the voice of him who speaks better things and pursue his kingdom?